Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo oh. and my ha-ha. <laughs> Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? <laughs> and Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hip music. Well, hello, and we are back. We got to first off apologize for Friday's podcast that is not there because we didn't do one. It didn't happen, which is shocking to me because I didn't even know we hadn't done one until I think it was Laura Top Life that mentioned, where is it? And I was like, oh, wow. That's how busy we were. (laughs) I didn't even know. When we are one person down on the show, it is like a lot that we got to do. And so we totally just spaced out and had to get out of the studio. And then I saw those tweets and I was like... Dang it, we forgot. Yeah. So super apologize. Uh, we're actually going to talk to Scott here in a little bit um, to sort of see what's going on for you in the uh, Miguel and Holly fam that are podcast listeners to the mm-hmm. Uncensored Podcast. Platypus. Yes. Um, got to give a shout out real quick. Uh, we got another review on the Apple podcast where you can listen to Uncensored. They said, love you guys and your podcast. I started listening to Miguel and Holly a few months ago when you guys came on Kramer's podcast, Certified Mama's Boy. I've been so hooked since then. You guys have great content and great conversations. Thank you for that. New San Diegoian fan here. San Diegoian? San Diegoian? Diegoian? Diego? <laughs> San Diego? Stop, stop saying it. San Diego? too many times now. San Diego? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening. Yes. So you can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want a Miguel and Holly sticker, got plenty, mm. shoot me an email with your name and address to Miguel at Hot1015TampaBay.com. Um, so before we get to Scott, we got to get through Mindful Monday and sort of understand... Which is a good thing. Absolutely. We need this right now more than ever. Yes. Uh, so, Holly, what is Mindful Monday? Well, we talked to Dr. Nate Upshaw, who works with Neurospot TMS. I have been talking about Neurospot TMS since the onset of the pandemic, and I really credit them with helping me survive it. Yes. Because, as you know, if you've ever suffered from depression or anxiety, it's not like the pandemic made it better, necessarily. No. I mean, it might have. Right. You, you never know. Um, but it also may have made it worse. And and TMS is a type of therapy that actually uses magnetic pulses to like reset the, the loop in your brain that keeps you thinking these anxious or depressive thoughts. So that having been said, I um, at this point feel like we're friends, Dr. Upshaw and I, because he um, makes it so easy to understand what's going on. And I like a good deep dive. And so even with some of the more technical stuff, he's just so knowledgeable about about making it easy to understand what's going on with your mental health while we're dealing with this pandemic. And so we do this every Monday. We call it Mindful Monday, but it's like anything having to do with mental health. And today's topic I'm really interested in. And I will let him do all of the sort of uh, setting up, but it's how to boost serotonin and dopamine levels naturally. So, hi, Dr. Upshaw. Hey, good morning. 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 So, help us understand from the beginning when you talk about dopamine and serotonin, 
What exactly are those things? So those are neurotransmitters. So what happens is in the brain, you have all of these networks of nerve tracts that are, you know, um, transmitting signals through the brain. And, you know, we'll get to a little bit of a discussion about those networks, but in the, back in the day, when we first got our medications, um, what we found is the way that they worked, the antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicine, is that they blocked the reuptake of these neurotransmitters into the cell. And what that meant is, is that there was more neurotransmitters floating around, um, which increased brain activity in certain parts of the brain. Mm. And so then we started studying, you know, these neurotransmitters and to see, you know, maybe depression, anxiety was the result of a chemical imbalance in the brain. So everyone is pretty familiar with this uh, theory that came out about 20 or 30 years ago, right? The chemical Mm -hmm. imbalance. Right. The reason I'm depressed is I've got a chemical imbalance. And so that was kind of the best theory that we had at the time, but it really turns out that a much more complicated situation. Mm. So what, what is going on with that and how can that happen? That comes from when we studied the medications that, you know, we kind of found out accidentally that these medications help. So they have these medications for like schizophrenia and other things and we found out that they helped people with depression. And we wondered why that, why that was. And it turns out that these neurotransmitters, especially serotonin, people hear about a lot, were important in terms of trying to regulate people's depression. So then we came up with this theory that there was a chemical imbalance. So if you take these antidepressant medicines, it can help with the chemical imbalance that's causing your anxiety and depression. So that's kind of where it came from. Okay. Mm, okay. And what, what is the theory now that there's been more research? Yeah, so functional MRI started to, to allow us to see the brain functioning in real time. So if you put a bunch of people who are depressed in a functional MRI, you'll see that their brain is kind of out of sync in very predictable ways, whereas people who are not depressed their brain doesn't look like that in the functional MRI. So we actually can see depression and we can see these networks that are out of sync. Because we used to think, oh, there's this one part in the brain that must be affected. And so if someone has a stroke, for example, you'll, you'll, and they can't talk anymore, you'd say, oh, there must be a speech area. Well, it turns out there's actually three or four important parts for speech. And if any one of them gets knocked out, a person isn't going to be able to talk correctly. Mm. So depression is kind of the same thing. There's these, you know, four or five different parts of the brain that are super important and are connected. And if any part of that connection goes out of sync, then you get that depression um, where you get like this pattern where the brain is just kind of cycling over and over again in the way you're feeling and thinking. So we can actually see all of this stuff Hmm. and TMS allows us to target the specific network and treat it directly. Whereas medication, it hits the networks we want them to, but they also hit other networks that we don't intend to hit. And so that's where you get the side effects from. Mm. So fascinating Isn't it how fascinating? you, the medical community, humans have figured this out. I know. Like the invisible stuff that you can't just see. And that's why that you hit the nail on the head just now. It's because it's invisible that some people don't even, they cannot grasp what it means to be depressed right. or to have to treat depression or anxiety because they're like, well, I can't see it. Right. I can't see it. So I don't, I don't understand it, which I, that's, that's great. But like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not real mm-hmm. and it's not treatable. Right. But the other thing to me, this, this is so much more intuitive than the idea of some kind of quote unquote chemical imbalance. Right. Because 
we see these networks and we're like, okay, this network is important for emotion and this network's important for concentration and this one's important for anxiety. And you can see these are all the symptoms of depression. So you put them all together and it's like, okay, of course this person's feeling depressed and they can't concentrate and they're distracted. We can see those networks are not functioning correctly. So, you know, one way to think about it is depression is kind of like an arrhythmia of the brain, right? So we all understand the heart arrhythmia and we can fix those heart arrhythmias and then the heart working normally again. This is kind of like an arrhythmia of the, of the brain and you're just stuck in this cycle of thinking and feeling and you can actually see that in the functional MRI. Wow. So how do you boost these levels if your serotonin and your dopamine are low? How do you fix that? Yeah. So circling back to that, this is what, this is such an important topic. Um, this is why we encourage all the patients, at, you know, both of my practices to get labs drawn because there's some certain vitamin precursors to dopamine, serotonin, and other neurotransmitters that if you're deficient, then you might not be producing enough serotonin and dopamine naturally. And so these networks can get out of sync because there's not enough neurotransmitters. So again, just to remind everyone, when you have a nerve that's traveling through the brain or anywhere in the body, when it meets another nerve, it actually releases these neurotransmitters, serotonin and other neurotransmitters, into the space between the two nerves. And this happens in, you know, a millisecond. And then the next one um, gets fired by the chemical. So the nerves are connected by these chemicals. So if you're deficient in these chemicals, you're not going to get nerve conduction like you should in the brain, and which can lead to these arrhythmias like anxiety and depression and things like that. So a lot of times you'll find someone who has like a vitamin B12 deficiency and they don't have any energy and they're tired all the time and you fix that and their depression goes away. Wow. So it's figuring out through the blood exactly like what's what you're lacking and what and how you can help boost that part of your brain. Well, that's kind of like I'm glad we kind of started with the scientific part because if you back that out, what you'll find is nutrition is important. Mm. So the way that you got vitamin deficient is maybe you weren't eating a healthy diet. You know, there's some natural ways that this can get out of balance anyway. Everyone should have them checked. But if your diet is better, um, then that can naturally boost these levels. Also, exercise has been found to naturally boost these levels. So, you know, starting with the scientific part, there's these nerves and there's these circuits, and these networks that are important and they get out of sync. And one way to keep them in sync is to make sure that our neurotransmitters are, are functioning normally and, and are boosted. That's why people, that's why the supplement inter- industry has become, you know, what it is these days. Is because if you back the science out, that's what it looks at. Taking supplements, you know, exercise, eating healthy, getting enough sleep, all of those things are important. And we know that it's important now in much more scientific ways than before, even though you know, we kind of always knew, right, it was important. But now we have, like, the evidence. So what, how do you know, you know, up front, like if I'm listening to this in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm tired or I just feel like there is a fog and everything just feels gray, what's my first step in checking to see if it's the dopamine or the serotonin? Yeah, you can actually check those levels. We haven't, we haven't really gotten to the point yet where we have good measures because those those levels are those neurotransmitters are all over the body 
So it's hard to check, like if you took the blood or the urine, it's hard to say if you have enough serotonin there that you have enough in your brain. But we can check the, the precursors. That's really important. So if you are feeling tired and fatigued and it's really bad, then you should go see your doctor. And most primary care doctors now are checking all of these levels. So it's really good. Um, and most psychiatric practices are doing this as well. So if you go and see your primary care doctor, they, I'm sure they'd be happy to check these levels. They also check your thyroid and some other stuff. But if you're, if you're not to that point, what you can notice is you can notice how your diet and exercise affects your mood. And that's kind of what we're talking about here when we say, you know, naturally um, work on getting your dopamine or serotonin up is, is that if you're sleeping well, you're exercising more, you're eating right, you know, you're more likely to have these neurotransmitters kind of stabilized. Dr. Upshaw bringing the knowledge. And that makes sense. We talked about uh, Justin Bieber saying that, um, you know, proper nutrition and healthy eating had lifted, had had like helped his mental state. And then it was sort of a controversial thing because the doctor chimed in and was like, yes, but someone like you with a platform like that, you can't just flippantly say, oh, if you start eating better, you're not going to be depressed anymore. But I mean, he was right in a way to say what you're putting into your body on the daily does impact your mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, that's a great point. That, Cause that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. There's different gradations of this. Obviously if someone's feeling tired and foggy all the time, every day, or they, they're feeling depressed all day, every day, and they can't shift out of it. Things are getting worse. They need to go see a professional because it's a chance that these, these levels and these networks are so out of sync, you're not going to be able to necessarily get it back in sync by changing your diet or exercising per se. Right. And it's not an incrimination to say that, you know, you're feeling depressed because you're not exercising or eating enough. There's way more factors than that. Mm-hmm. But on, the, on, you know, a daily basis, the average person who's not clinically depressed or anxious, you know, what they eat and exercise can really affect your mood. Um, and so Justin Bieber <laughs> is correct on that, but his doctor's also correct that, you know, if you're, if you're really struggling with mental health issues, you should go get some help and get some treatment. Right. You know, you shouldn't just feel bad and say, oh, it's just because I'm not eating well enough or I'm not exercising enough. It's, it's more complicated than that. And if someone is listening and they're like, this pretty much sounds like what I'm going through right now. Or thank you for this explanation that I didn't know what I'm going through right now. How can they get into contact with you? Yeah, so I always say the best way to get in touch with us is just to go to the uh, Neurospa PMS website. Um, and you can call us. The number's on there. Uh, you can send us a form fill. And that's a great entry point into all of this because... You know, they can tell you um, referral for primary care, psychotherapy, or if PMS is appropriate. It's a great place to start because they, they know all of the things that I'm saying right now. And they'll be able to, we have very nice people answer the phone and can answer these questions and kind of know all the details of this and point you in the right direction. Awesome. Well, Dr. Nate Upshaw, thank you so much for chatting with us. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you for bringing some light to the subject. Good talking with you guys. All right, have a good day. You too. So on top of all of that, dealing with what's going on in your brain, Scotty the body is going through some rough stuff. 
himself right now. Man, he's going through it. And I mean, it's it's just all piling on all at once for him. And on the show this morning, we talked to him on the air. But if you are solely a podcast listener or if you happen to miss it, this is what I love about doing the podcast. Now we're going to talk to him on the podcast so he can fill us in long form and for those that may have missed it on the air. Hello. Hi. Hey. <laughs> we miss you. I miss y'all. This is feels like a long time. Yeah. Well, you're on the podcast now. What What are you doing? I'm just I'm just standing in my kitchen. I'm trying to make sure I find the best area of reception. Oh. Oh. Do you keep losing reception there? No. I just know that it's like if I walk the wrong direction, it's just gonna cut out. So I'll just sit at my kitchen table. Okay. That's what I'll do. Okay. Well, uh, so let's sort of like if it's fresh, if someone hasn't didn't get a chance to listen this morning, sort of update us on where you have been for the past week and like what's been going on. Yeah, so I was supposed to. Well, I did. I went over to North Carolina for my cousin's wedding right before like a week, two weeks ago, pretty much, I guess at this point. And when I first flew out there, I got a text from my dad that said, uh, I had to rush mom back into the hospital. You know, she was just, it was kind of like the same symptoms that he saw when he took her in the previous two times this month. So it's been a constant thing this month so far. And then throughout the weekend, I was getting updates from my dad about, you know, what the doctors are saying, what are her levels and everything. I didn't really realize how bad it was until I was, finally back in St. Pete, just got to the airport and I was in an Uber. And then my dad called me and he was like, you need to, you know, it's, you got to head home. Like you have to come on home. Like pretty much it was, they kind of caught me back to like two years ago when my mom was first admitted into the hospital. And it was that serious where I just went home, I packed a bag and I just went straight to the hospital right to like the, the most, I guess the most serious, you know, section of the hospital you could get, which is, you know, it's like not even the ICU. It's like a step above the ICU, which is, you know, extremely scary. And my mom was just sedated. She was just asleep. And my brother came into town and honestly, we were just there because the doctor, I guess, told my dad that it's like, Hey, bring the, bring the boys in. Doesn't see, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, look like you know the chances are very low on if she's going to make it through the night and so my brother and I just we sat there all night my dad was there majority of the night till about 3 a.m and he went back because he was going to come back in the morning but my brother and I knew that it would be like the only time we're allowed in the hospital because of COVID and so we sat there until you know 5 30 in the morning just I mean honestly it's weird to kind of talk about now because it's still things aren't you know fully better, but she at least made it through that night. But we just sat there and just watching, making sure that she was honestly making it and taking breaths throughout the night. So then we left and I've just been home ever since just because we're getting little tiny updates. We were last week to see how she was doing, see how her vitals are, see if, you know, cause there's a bunch of, there's a name of different problems going on, but it really comes down to, her liver is, you know, barely functioning and she's going to need a liver transplant like officially now. Like it's a, 
no, maybe no thing that maybe in the future, like it needs to happen Mm -hmm. because, because of that, there's so many other problems that happen, you know, the the body isn't able to function properly. And that's what led to all these things. And so she was, they had her sedated for up until like two days ago or three days ago, where she finally was, you know, a little stronger, able to be a little more awake and alert. And I was able to talk to her yesterday on the phone. My dad finally talked to her on the phone and she was actually like there, like Mm. knew where she was, knew who she was. And that was the first time in, you know, 10 days, 11 days. Cause she, I guess what happens is like your body goes into like a toxic shock pretty much and ammonia rushes to your head with whatever's happening in her body. And so I guess like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, the Friday, my dad got home and like, it's just the same symptoms of seeing that she was just, she had no idea what was going on. And finally, you know, yesterday she was there and I was able to talk to her. And like, for me, like I was just sitting at the desk chair, just kind of reflect, like the hardest part of all of this is like, you know, I was talking to her two weeks ago and she was so good. She was on track cooking meals that she needed to eat properly. And she was going to the nursery to get plants for the house, like all of these amazing things. And I was just calling her every day and we'd have these fun little conversations, just kind of joking around. And then the next time I see her, it's, you know, I'm sitting by her bedside in a hospital bed and just holding her hand and watching to see if she's going to take another breath. And it's just, it's so bizarre. And luckily, you know, now she is a little more alert. She knows where she is and we do need to get that process started with a liver transplant, but we're still not out of the woods yet because, you know, her body isn't in shape for surgery. So I'm sitting at home, just one, just, you know, helping as much as I can with my dad, because it's just very easy. I noticed this because my brother came into town and everything. It's very easy to put on like that tough face, but this has now become so much right. that there's like, even we'll all do it randomly where it's like all of a sudden we just take a big gasp or a big like breath of air or like, you know, we cuss out loud mm. because it's so stressful. And I see that in my dad and I'm like, you know, I'm here just doing everything I can just to kind of take little bits of stress away, whether it's like literally cooking dinner, cleaning up the house, doing the dishwasher, doing the washer for clothes and stuff. And it's just, it's so much that it's overwhelming to the max on all of us. So we're trying to just figure out that process. But the main thing right now that we're worried about is just making sure my mom like drinks or ensure that they're feeding her. And we need to get to that step where she's able to get surgery. Like that's the goal right now. I remember that Sunday when you got home from the airport and you walked in and, and you were like, I've got to go home. And I was just really worried for you because I can't imagine that two and a half hour ride, you know, when you just get this news that your dad's like, you need to come home. And I was really concerned about you just being in driving and being your head. And what was that two hour drive like, if you remember? Oh, I mean, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And, uh, it was, you know, it's very unsafe, but there's no other option. Like I, I bawled my eyes out, you know, one third of the way, you know, just going because all of a sudden I would start thinking about things, but, and it was raining and the weather was horrible, but you know, I didn't want to push it, but I knew I needed to get there. So it's, 
I would tear up and start crying, but just realize that I had to stay focused on the rain. Anyway, turn off my alarm. And uh, honestly, I just, I made sure, like, I allowed myself to think certain thoughts, but at the same time, I pushed myself to, you know, just focus on getting there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't finally call. I think it really gets me emotional when I talk about it because that's like me, like literally physically like releasing words and thoughts. And yeah. so I knew that it's like, if I were, I called Mary, my girlfriend, like 20 minutes out from the hospital, because I knew I was like, okay, I could, I need to get some of this emotion out before I get there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was immediate. As soon as I started talking about it, like all those thoughts and my fears, I just started bawling. And so I didn't want to have that during the drive, but it's just, this whole thing has been, it's the scariest moment of my entire life of just going there, not realizing what was going to happen. I didn't know how bad it was. And as soon as I walked in the, the room and I saw my mom, I just, I literally stopped in my tracks and I just started crying because it was, it's something I never wish anybody to see. I, it was extremely hard. And so I really can't wait till the day I get to see her again because it's going to show me how far we've come since then. Uh, There is nothing like seeing your parent when you are young still and they're still relatively young and you see them in the hospital. That happened to my mom. Holly, remember like probably 10 years ago? Yes. When my mom had this like mysterious illness, the stomach thing where like teams of doctors, nobody could figure it out and... Uh, sort of like your mom, she was like hazy and wasn't really clear and like nobody from my family was there. So I just got in the car and drove to Atlanta. And I remember walking into that room and just seeing her hooked up and your parents are your heroes. You know, they're the people yeah. that defend you, that raised you. And so when you see them so helpless in that hospital bed it really takes a second for you to sort of catch a breath yeah. and to sort of wrap your brain around mortality yes. and about what yeah. it means for their life and what they mean to you. And you start going over best and worst case scenarios. So I can't imagine, you know, what went through your head and what's been going through your head since then. And especially since you can't see her daily right. because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing. And it's like, even like that call to come home, it's just, with all of this, it's just so weird because my mom has been always the person that I just, I call. Like, that's just, I made it a thing where as soon as I went out to college, I was calling her like every other day. And especially now this past month when she got put in the hospital a couple of times, like she's like my buddy. Like I call her every day after CrossFit, just for a little silly conversation. I would see how she's doing, how she's doing with her progress. And it's just, it's so hard to not talk to her and not let her know what's happening. And like, I, can't imagine and part of this whole thing that's so tough is I can't imagine not doing that and I can't imagine you know there's so many things that you know she needs to be a part of you know where whether it's like my wedding day and being there when you know I have kids one day it's like there's no option in my head of her not being there and so that's why it's like I'm just holding on as hard as I can just to this hope that we are going to figure this out and it's probably this is probably the most difficult like journey now we are facing because a lot of big time things need to happen. And it's not just like this easy progress of like, 
her body could just magically get better because she needs a liver. Right. And we need to now get her strong enough to get a liver and then have that process happen. And so there's so much in the way that it's just so difficult, but there's just something inside of me. And like, I don't know if it's just that I've just cried enough or it's like just, I really do believe that we're going to like, there's no other option. <laughs> I don't know what life would look like otherwise. And so I'm just trying not to accept that and just be that beam of hope in everyone's eyes and figure out a way. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how we're going to get there, but we need to get there. So have you gone through the process of getting tested yet to see if you could be a candidate to donate your liver or how does that work? Do you know yet? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's always been a conversation I keep bringing up, but I think I need to start involving myself in the conversation with doctors because it is a little overwhelming. And I think I need to, you know, start those conversations with at least my dad. And I've said it multiple times to him, but it's very easy for him to just get overwhelmed with the situation. I haven't been tested yet. I want to start that process because although we can't do the surgery now, I'd rather just know because in my head, I'm like, you know, I do see these things about partial liver transplant. And if that is an option in this picture, let's go ahead and start doing tests now, see who's able to do it. So when we are at that stage, you know, we don't have to now do all these things. We'll already know. Right. And we could jump right to it. it, There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of steps to go through. And I have no idea on liver transplants, like, I just, I'm just not knowledgeable. I mean, if it's um, viable for her to receive a partial, um, you know, how you'll do with if there's a match. There's so many questions. I think you're doing the right thing by looking into it sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I'd rather just get it going now, even though, like, it's just so scary when the doctor calls because it's like, you know, the main focus is she's not even ready for that. It's like we got to get her stronger right. to even have an option. But I still want to, like, get everyone ready to just let's get tested. Let's see if this is an option or at least talk to the doctor and see like, Hey, is a partial transplant an option? Because I keep seeing all these things that it is a real thing and it has happened, Mm -hmm. but is this an option for her? And if it is, then, you know, if I'm able, awesome. If my dad's able, awesome. My brother's able, let's do it. But I'd rather just know so I could just, either have an option there and have a little more hope or, you know, I don't even want to picture being on the list because that process just seems so difficult and so long. And I don't know how much time we have. So it is extremely stressful. Well, you should definitely take um, my boyfriend Abe up on talking to his parents because they went through that process and it was a long journey as I've heard stories of them talking about it because Abe, three or four years ago, was literally on a flight up to Buffalo to donate half of his liver to his dad. And then they got the call, like, right before he was headed to the airport that um, someone had passed away from a car accident, I think, and they were able to give his dad his liver and everything worked out okay because he's still with us. Um, But they are a great resource who went through the whole process. So, um, yeah, yeah. But on top of all of this that you're dealing with. As if it weren't uh, enough. There is a whole nother yeah. reason why you're not in studio with us. What's going on? Yeah, so I was actually supposed to, I was planning on driving back this, like, yesterday, Sunday, 
and going to be in studio. But like last week I got pretty sick and I was, you know, it felt like a cold and I had a fever on like Tuesday of last week and it was really bad at night. But then I slowly got better on Wednesday. I was like, okay, it must've been a cold, but then I lost my sense of smell on Tuesday or Thursday mm-hmm. and my taste is really weak. And so I got a test for COVID and I'm waiting on results for that. And so it looks like I probably contracted COVID-19 along with all this other stuff happening in my life. I guess I now have coronavirus too, but I'm not, I don't know for sure, but I do know that I got pretty sick in the week with very strong cold symptoms and now I can't smell or barely taste. I kind of give myself the benefit of the doubt because I taste like, you know, a little hair bit, but not much tastes very bland. Everything tastes bland. Well, it also could be your cooking. So, oh my gosh, Miguel, <laughs> really? Because we also know that you don't use seasonings very much. So, uh, I'm using a bunch now to make sure I could taste. But <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're like God. I wish I had some of Miguel's cooking now, so I could see if I could taste something. Yeah, was, uh, wow. I wish. Now, how are you feeling? I mean, are, do you feel sick right now? Yeah. What or? What are the current physical symptoms? Well, the current sense right now in this very moment, I feel fine. I feel better than I have this, you know, in a week. But Monday before, I think it was like my, my grandma and her, man, my aunt came into town. My dad and I did a, like a nice four-mile run, and I, I was kind of feeling a little sickish, like a little cold going on. But when we went on the run, I did notice that I was like, you know, usually I could do this not so hard, but it was hot. But through the run, it was just kicking my butt. And so that was kind of the start of like me just feeling weak. My legs felt heavy. Mm. And then Tuesday, I just got really bad where I was like, you know, fever. I went in my room and just hung out while everyone was just in the living room and stuff. And then like, it's just been achy. Like I feel like I got a stiff back throughout last week. I would work out here and there, but it just, it felt like I couldn't really push it. And then I worked out yesterday. I felt pretty good. I mean, not too bad, but for a little bit there, it was pretty stiff. Everything felt stiff. Like I'd wake up and it felt like I needed to stretch out my back and stuff. But I just, you know, kind of figured like maybe I'm just sore from workouts. But now that I lost my sense of smell and taste, I'm probably pretty sure that that's some of the symptoms of the coronavirus. Yeah, just having been in our job for as long as we've been and reading every piece of literature about, seems like, about COVID, <laughs> I'm no doctor, but it does sound good. New. It does, and that's why I literally, have, as soon as my smell went the next day, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go get the test because as I thought I was fine by last Wednesday when I was like, okay, I was getting over the cold part of it, whatever. And then as soon as I went to eat something and I couldn't smell it and I was like, well, this isn't good. And I like washed my hands and I couldn't smell any soap. And I was like, well, that's a huge indicator of probably contracting COVID. And I, I don't know, probably on the plane or something coming back from North Carolina, maybe contracted. Maybe going to even, I don't know Mm -hmm. how long it takes. Cause that's the thing. It's still this wild goose chase as to how long it takes for symptoms to show up. So it could have been any Going to, coming from planes. Or how was the wedding? How many people were there? It wasn't a ton of people. It was probably like 30 to 50 people. But like the only people I really hung out with were my girlfriend, Mary, and like 
I hung around my family, like my, my grandparents and my cousin. But I'm waiting to see if they start feeling any type of way because I keep in touch with Mary and I'm seeing she has, doesn't feel anything. And obviously, like, I definitely kissed her. So if uh, she's not feeling anything, it's just kind of confusing because even on the plane right there, luckily I had a whole row to myself and I was like away from everyone. I wore my mask the entire time kept hand sanitizer, kept my hands clean, but I don't know. I guess it's just, I got it somewhere. Hmm. Well, shit. Yeah. yeah. So Good old 2020. How, how that works. That's yeah, the thing. So I That's don't know most if people I'm ever going to yeah. be back. No. No, you coming back. Well, <laughs> eventually, but I don't know what our policy is on if, like, I'm allowed in the studio until I get, like, two tests or something or yeah, you're going to have to get two negatives. Um, is it two? Yeah, I think it's two you have to have before you can come back in the studio or into Chateau that's, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's also why I didn't come. I was like, well, goodness gracious, if I have it and then I bring it over and just literally spreads like wildfire as soon as I step in that house because everyone lives there. Um, I think we need to have, uh, tell Dylan, roommate Dylan, what's going on. Oh no, don't tell I was him. actually going to not tell him. Just yeah. let's just not. Let's just not. Cause you'll never stand by me again. Uh, even if I get two negative tests. Um, I think we're gonna do that on the podcast on Wednesday. Um, we'll have Scott tell oh, Dylan what's going on. Oh my, I can just picture oh. it already. <laughs> Delightful, but so cringeworthy. Oh geez. Oh, Poor thing. Well, is there anything that we can do to help? I mean, just honestly, like if people just send good energy, good prayer, like I'm such a firm believer that that stuff helps. And just it means the world to me that people even put those good thoughts out there for me. So honestly, that's it. And if anybody like has information or a story on a uh, having a liver transplant or just a transplant in general, like I will take them all because we are looking for whatever information we could get, or at least I am. And because it's, it's a gigantic journey up ahead that we have no idea how to navigate. And how can people get into contact with you? Yeah, just through my Instagram is the best bet, at Scott Tavlin. You just slide up in the DMs and we'll chat there. S-C-O-T-T-T. A-V-L-I-N. I'm just, my heart is with you and your family. I just... Oh, man. You guys do not deserve to be going through all this. No. <sighs> We're going to figure it out one way or another. We'll oh, yeah. Figure this out. Well, that's what you do. And and you never know how strong you are until you need to be. Right. So, I mean, I, I know you'll get through this, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. So my thoughts and prayers are just with you and your mom. I appreciate it. Definitely do. Um, Scott, Holly had an awkward question last week. She sent you a gift card. and then... Oh, no. We already cleared it up. Oh, so he got it? He got it. Okay. Holly was, like, oh. worried because she sent you an Uber Eats gift card. Well, and... I sent it. I did a bad thing. I sent it via text, and then it says that, like, the person opens it. But then I'm like, what if I missed, like, a wrong number and some <laughs> rando opens it? And then I'm like, I'm a dumbass. Why didn't I send it through email? So then I had this whole freak out about... What if I send it to the wrong number and they got a... And then Holly was like, well, I don't want to call him and text him. No. Because then what if he's dealing with stuff? And then I was like, girl, you know, Scott is so weird about receiving gifts that he was probably like... I know. So that's why I was like, I don't even care if it went... I'm like, somebody got an Uber Eats gift. (laughs) But he... I got it. He got it. He got it. So we are all set. I sent it to the right person. Praise the Lord. Yes. 
Wonderful. Yes, I got it. I appreciate it. Well, we love you. If there's anything you need, please let us know, okay? Yes. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. Holly, what's your social media? Radio Holly on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, and Holly on Hot 1015 on Facebook. And mine is Miguel Fuller, M I G U E L F U L L E R on TikTok, Insta, Snap, everything. And until next time, bye. Catch up up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.